1: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast. I'm your host, the head of the table of Raptors Twitter, Blake Murphy, joined as always by Eric Green, fresh off uh, a bunch of expletives. Right as we started recording, Eric, what's up, man?
2: Not too much. Just trying to, uh, I guess, recover from a bunch of concertos last night. Yeah. Is that, is that the uh, analysis or? Well, I don't. I don't care who you are. Yeah, care.
1: you could pick whoever you want. You could be Bianca Belair if you really like.
2: Um, that'd be that'd be pretty good for me. Yeah, cool. <laughs> but uh, I, I can't pull that off.
1: You can't. No. Um, again, as, as we as we pointed out in the WrestleMania Reasonable portion of last week's uh, podcast, Kevin Owens against Sami Zayn is the closest either one of us is going to get to wrestlemania and especially a wrestlemania against each other did you uh yeah. uh fair heads up to everyone we are not going to talk about wrestling i just want to know if eric ended up getting to watch that match we'll talk about so wrestlers I, very shortly
2: I, yeah i did not watch that match i might go back and uh find my way to it but i did see the not even not the conclusion to the match the conclusion to them being on
1: screen yes the uh, angle i should say yes, yes. Cool. Uh well, we there you go, everyone. Uh to the sixty to seventy percent of you who turned the podcast off when we started talking about wrestling, uh, thank you to the thirty to forty percent who stuck around. Uh but Eric hasn't finished watching WrestleMania yet, so you don't have to worry about it this week. Uh that's because the Raptors had just a barn burner of a back-to-back over the two nights of WrestleMania. They played the Cleveland Cavaliers on Saturday, and the um, New York Knicks on Sunday uh, Both going head-to-head with WrestleMania The the ratings on the Peacock Network must have been terrible Because obviously <laughs> uh, everyone was tuned in First to Sportsnet 360 where no one could find the game on Saturday night uh, And then, uh, hey, they both ended up being entertaining games in their own ways uh, The Raptors became, or sorry, the city of Toronto Became the first city to ever have uh, rain delays in their basketball and baseball games in the same day. Uh, The Raptors-Knicks game was briefly halted uh, as Madison Square Garden's roof was leaking. Uh, There was a lot going on this week, uh, good and bad, and a lot of people pulled in different directions in the fan base right now as the the Raptors split those two games. Uh, Before we get into that, a reminder, you can go to theathletic.com slash we the six... Uh, for a 3.99 dollars a month subscription right now to the written side of our stuff. Uh, you could read things like Eric's takeaway on Ken Birch's debut on Sunday night. You can read things like a big feature I have on Freddie Gillespie coming later this week. Uh, and all our usual kind of day-to-day uh, coverage of, you know, the games that are happening and, yes, still matter until the standings tell us otherwise, and then the opposite standings will matter. Um but look, even in a, a tough season, there's still there's still lots to sort through. There's lots of fun Malachi Flynn stuff and Gary Trent stuff and uh, 18 games left to go. And then, hey, if you're checked out on the 18 games, still sign up because then uh, you're only 18 games away from offseason content maybe. If, uh, if some people in the fan base have their way. Eric, before we get into the week that was where uh, I think you went one and two picking games.
2: No, I won two and one. I won because uh, I picked them to lose all three.
1: Right, and they they won one of three. Yeah. Those dastardly Cavaliers.
2: Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. That, that was uh, if Jared Allen were healthy, it, it all would have been different.
1: Uh, so the Raptors, uh, the Raptors lost to the Bulls by nine. They uh, beat the Cavaliers by twenty in a game that they led by thirty eight. In uh, that Bulls game was kind of their standard fake comeback. Uh, and then they lost by six to the Knicks. They erased a big deficit, took the lead, and then uh, had a very, very poor stretch run. Uh, we're going to talk about some of that and, and what we can take from it. But the big news from the weekend, especially if you're a fan of Canada basketball on top of just the Raptors, Ken Birch was bought out by the Orlando Magic. He gave back about 410000 On that deal to be freed from Orlando, he immediately signed with the Toronto Raptors for that exact dollar amount uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, Ken Birch was introduced formally on Sunday, but Saturday it took him all of 0.01 seconds to start posting on social media about how excited he was to be a member of the Toronto Raptors. Uh, I guess, before we get into Birch's fit and and what this could mean longer term, um, I mean, just like... The Raptors have had Canadian players before, and I know sometimes there's a risk in getting too excited about the passport uh, over anything else, but... It was really, really cool this weekend to see just how excited Ken Birch was and how much this meant to him to be playing for the team he grew up watching, the team him and his dad would drive back to Ottawa on the 41 East after a game. Uh, the team he'd yell at the TV with his dad with, um, you know, his mom has a podcast, a basketball podcast. It's, uh, It was really cool, man. I, I I, got a real kick out of Ken Birch's weekend and how much this means to him.
2: Yeah, it's definitely cool like this is like the first ever uh progeny of an angry fan to uh that we know of to make the team
1: as that guy said (laughs) in your mentions last night any of you fans complaining about the team right now if you are not siring the next wave of the Raptors roster you have no right to complain (laughs)
2: yeah um so that like already makes him more relatable and one of the most likable Raptors of all, all time is that he comes from one of y'all, <laughs> um, but yeah, and I think especially as I topped my story with at a season that's been so hard to connect, you know, the team and home and what's gone on has been mostly, you know, crappy. Uh, you got a, a story of a guy playing for the team he grew up rooting for and who's deeply connected to the franchise through his family. Uh, and and you can see how much it matters to him. Like, that's... It's just a nice thing. And, and whether it's for 18 more games or it's this is the start of a longer relationship, both of which I think are, you know, equally on the table, I would say. It's pretty cool. Uh, so... I mean just on a human level which we should remember is a big part of basketball and and everything uh I think it's something to savor it's something to enjoy and, and just another reason to not completely zone out on on the remainder of the season for sure.
1: Yeah, it's cool. It's uh it obviously meant a lot to him. He is not uh you know he's not the most charismatic of speakers. He wasn't cu- cutting a promo about it or anything, but it was it was very clear how much it meant to him. Uh, he got asked about getting to share the floor with Chris Boucher, two guys from the same uh, city. And I, was he right that it's the first time two Canadians have been on the Raptors at the same time, or were Corey Joseph and Anthony Bennett on the same team?
2: Um, <coughs> whoa! Sorry, just choking on my coffee uh write down the the what's what is liquid not supposed to go down in your throat the uh the airway is there a technical term for that
1: anyway thank you andy
2: yeah uh well she is a speech language pathologist um or chris so i think bennett was 2015-16 right uh and i think Corey joseph was on that team yeah
1: good research Uh, blake you, uh, in the host role, calling out Ken Birch for being wrong while not actually knowing if he was wrong. Well,
2: somebody else supported him in saying that he was wrong, and uh, uh, saying that he was right. So I, I feel yeah. like uh, it's yeah, not. Yeah, Cor- Corey on
1: Joseph him. and Anthony Bennett were on the same team.
2: Yeah. So, but, but certainly the first time that two Montrealers have been on the Raptors. Yeah. And certainly uh, the first
1: together. time two Canadians who mattered to the team played on the team together. Yeah. How, uh, no offense to how, Anthony Bennett, who, hey, still in the mix for FIBA in the summer, looked really good in the last qualifiers, but, uh, you know, no G League season this year as he recovers from knee injury hurt his kind of comeback trail.
2: Yeah, huge, huge moment in, in qualifiers already this year. Uh, Anthony Bennett did play 84 minutes for the Toronto Raptors, over 19
1: games. Before, so. uh, before making space for Jason Thompson, the... The last uh, big man the Raptors added on the buyout market, you'll remember, of course, that the championship Raptors added Jeremy Lin on the buyout market, uh, who was that year the uh, top buyout target. Um, I, I think we can like safely say that the hand-wringing and the discussion about buyout stuff, like, I certainly understand why people don't like the process of it and how, you know, certain guys like a, like a Andre Drummond or or a Blake Griffin, like, it's just so it's kind of, it's running so counter to the way the cba was intended to work yeah but league wide um someone broke down like who's signed the most buyout guys the last couple years and stuff like that and it's the Milwaukee Bucks it's not a, it's not a it's not just a big market problem it's a the buyout guys go to good teams problem. And the Raptors are, I believe, only one buyout guy short of Milwaukee during that stretch. The Bucks have had four. The Raptors have had Jason Thompson, who was a non-zero. Uh, they've had Jeremy Lin, who was the top buyout guy on the market. And now they have Kem Birch, who we were talking about giving up a second-round pick to for the Raptors to try to get him at the trade deadline. He's not—he ain't nothing.
2: Yeah, no, he's a good player. If the league wants to fix— Uh, or or increase parity or whatever, you know, they can do something real instead of talking about, you know, fixing the buyout market, which has very little to do with, you know, uh, as you mentioned, sort of market size and has more to do with winning in general. And even those players often do not change the course of history, I would argue. There There have been some moments you know a playoff game swung here or there but for the most part it's not going to be a big deal uh but we can save that for another day fix the league uh we can do a fix the league podcast maybe in uh in june or whatever sure but uh ken birch yeah like he's almost precisely what the i mean not precisely the raptors could use Nik- nikola jokic that'd be good but uh Short of that, uh, he's going to rebound the ball aggressively. You already saw in uh, in the game against the Knicks, he's providing very sound defense, uh, both inside. And I, I think he-, he switched on to the perimeter, guarding Julius Randle, guarding uh, Alec Burks on one possession. He got switched on to Derrick Rose and, and forced a-, a long jumper, although Derrick Rose doesn't need to be coerced into such actions uh, for the most part. Uh, So he just provides a lot more flexibility and malleability and positional versatility, all the uh, illities uh, on defense. And, uh, you know, his his offense is certainly limited. And you can see that when he was put next to Freddie Gillespie, uh, that wasn't the only problem with that lineup, but it was a big one uh, as Nick Nurse tried to. See what a lineup without spacing might look like uh, in the, I believe, second quarter for the most part of the Raptors game against the Knicks. But he's a nice piece, and it gives you a look at uh, how he might help next year if, if he can be had for sort of, you know, a cheaper contract.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, obviously he plugs a hole the rest of the way here, but I think the thing to keep in mind with Birch, uh, he's going to play down the stretch he got 18 minutes last night i would assume that's about the amount he'll play and he's good um but you know whether or not the raptors can make a push to the play in here i think what's the most interesting thing about the birch experiment here is how does he look where's the comfort level and is he a piece moving forward because he's not you know he's not prospect aged anymore at 28 but he's got probably a couple more solid years as a as a good backup center. Um, and the Raptors could use that. Even if you like Freddie Gillespie, as I do, or you want them to take uh, one of the many bigs projected to go in the second round this year, you know, those guys can always benefit from some G League time or, or protecting their minutes a little bit. Uh, and yes, the Raptors will want to uh, address the starting center position in some way. But having, you know, if Birch is a fit uh, and... You know things work out. Him as a low cost backup center who really wants to be there and is a good culture setter and stuff. Uh, there are certainly worse things. So hopefully that works out. If uh, things play out such that Birch and the Raptors determine that that's a longer term fit, it could also have some benefit to Canada basketball. Uh, the FIBA qual, the Olympic qualifying tournament is still as of right now scheduled to take place in Victoria in late June, early July. That would overlap with the NBA playoffs, so you're looking at a team that doesn't have Canadians going on a deep run in the playoffs. Generally, players who are free agents are hesitant to participate because insurance on a contract you haven't signed yet is difficult. Um, but you know, if Birch thrives or fits down the stretch here, and there's a bit of a bit of a handshake thing that the Raptors are interested, maybe that helps. Um, whoa,
2: whoa. Let's not go breaking the CBA here.
1: Well, I mean, look, it's...
2: <laughs> I'm joking. It's fine. <laughs>
1: Also, like, Birch has been pretty clear that, like, he wants to play in the Olympics really badly. So, uh, you know, th- that's maybe more of a a consideration for a Kelly Olenek in Houston, where yeah. the chatter out of there is they'd like to keep him as a kind of vet as they um, rebuild a bit. And, you know, maybe that's a, a bigger question with a, a guy like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think... I think birch could be a guy for for canada basketball there was there was also a a very cool mark stein story in the new york times uh sunday about how the people who have um organized victoria getting the olympic qualifying tournament have also secured the court that the raptors won the championship on uh so as canada tries to qualify for the olympics assuming everything goes ahead as planned in late june they'll be doing so on the same golden state warriors court that obviously repurposed for Olympic qualifiers uh, But the same court the Raptors won the championship on Which I thought is a, is a really cool touch
2: That is, it's super neat uh, Whoever, you know Shopify th- Whoever thought about it Very, very impressive um, And and yeah, like uh, I think Obviously he's played Ken Birch has played for Canada before uh, Again, you're sort of you you think about roster construction and you think about who might be available. Uh, we I think Tristan Thompson is signed through. He has this an option. Season. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how many centers uh, they can take, but I, I think mostly they'll probably just take the best players uh that are available and, and then it becomes you know this isn't a canada basketball preview but you start rooting against the denver nuggets and rooting for the milwaukee bucks <laughs> it's, yeah. it's it's that simple right
1: <laughs> i mean look it uh it might be because uh you know anyway we'll we'll see uh we'll see how that plays out anyway sh- shout out to uh shout out to scott lake who is uh, a part of Spotify and also Canada Basketball's... Shopify. Uh, Shopify, mean? yes, sorry. Yeah. Um, I have yeah. enough friends that work at Shopify. you think I would stop making that mistake. But, you know, I uh, I listen to music a lot more than I shop. So apologies yeah. to Shopify. Uh, shout out to Scott Lake uh, for kind of spearheading that. Um, all right. So I guess the the one other question that flows from Ken Birch's edition and... A little unexpectedly, Freddie Gillespie being uh, the first big off the bench on Sunday. Are we have we seen the last of Aaron Baines in real minutes?
2: Um, I mean something's going to happen to somebody, <laughs> so probably not. But uh, I I think it will. That answer, while the answer will technically be no, I think it's a spiritual yes. If Understood.
1: that makes sense. Understood. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. So the week that I can was, write that
2: report card blurb now is, yeah. is what I'm trying to say. Uh,
1: okay. So the Raptors went one and two this week. Uh, Birch is obviously the most notable thing, but I did think that the weekend kind of highlighted the two minds the fan base seems to be of right now. Sure and, did. And Saturday <laughs> they beat a team that was. How do you word this? That was just ahead of them in the reverse standings? Yeah. Is that the way you say it? Just behind them
2: in the standings. Yeah. Uh, either, either way, uh, Cleveland's. The Raptors, a, yeah. The Raptors only beat teams which they might be able to pass in the reverse standings.
1: Now, <laughs> as I tried to explain writing off of Saturday night, I understand that some fans don't really want the team to be winning more games right now. The lottery odds have become flatter in such that, you know, you don't really need to bottom all the way out. Obviously, more ping pong balls are better, uh, but there's not, you know, it's not, the the worst team is not getting a 25% shot at the number one pick anymore. They're only getting 14%, and those odds are spread out among the other spots. So, um, the further you can slide down, the more ping pong balls you'll get, uh, the more that solidifies your worst possible draft position, but... These swings
2: aren't... Which is probably more important, but yeah. unlikely to be more important. Yeah,
1: like, yeah, I, I if you guess. finish 7th last in the standings, you can't fall lower than 11th, and your average expected pick is 6.2. That's, you know, that's kind of the the snapshot that you keep in mind. Um, bigger picture, like, the Raptors are not going to go 18-0 down the stretch to put back into the playoffs, and they're not going to go 0-18 to bottom out completely. They're going to win games, and they're going to lose games... And there is a certain style of win and loss that is better than another. Um, And I thought Saturday was just about a perfect kind of development end of season win. Malachi Flynn, Gary Trent Jr., Yuta Watanabe all played probably their best games as Raptors. Freddie Gillespie played real minutes on a 10-day contract and looked solid. Um, This very, very shorthanded team. And yes, it was against the Cavs, and the Cavs' defense was lightly engaged to be polite. Um, But if they're going to win games, you know, a game where Malachi Flynn gets a ton of reps running the offense and he gets to run the offense when things are clicking and then he gets to run the offense as the opponent makes a comeback and the offense isn't clicking. Or Gary Trent gets to expand his self-creation a little bit. Or you get a look at a Freddie Gillespie. You know, all of those things are the type of positives you can move forward with. And I'm not saying gillespie's the backup center next year and Utah's suddenly going to get converted but i you'd much rather win with those things happening than stanley johnson gets hot from three or you know aaron baines has a couple dunks you want the wins need to come in positive developmental ways for people who are still going to be on this roster next year um now sunday was a little bit of the counter of that where uh that was a very winnable game that they lost to yes uh a somewhat surprising 500 team and another uh, good rj barrett game including a very clutch three-pointer on kind of a botched defensive switch for the raptors yeah. uh if you are the type of person who wants the raptors to lose more often that was kind of the ideal loss where again you get some young guys playing bigger roles and getting to stretch themselves a little bit you uh, the game is entertaining and then you lose by a little bit in the end. And you, you keep my story alive of them being the worst team to uh, outscore opponents on the year. Um, Eric, where are you at on those two games? Uh, you know, you you wrote off the Knicks game. I wrote off the Cavs game. Uh, you know, it's a weird spot. Like like yeah. I said, they're not going to go 18-0 or 0-18. So where are you at in terms of how we evaluate process over results night to night?
2: Well, I, I sort of go back to the piece I wrote. Uh, about how to view a season that is falling short of expectations or, to put it less nicely, um, going nowhere (laughs) in terms of the standings. And the most important part of all of that was development. And if you happen to make a run based on, you know, sure, you're established players, but also... Malachi Flynn and and uh, Utah Watanabe making you know really solid meaningful contributions, then you accept it and you enjoy it and you see what happens. Uh, so, I think the general direction that Nick Nurse seems to be taking with these minutes now, uh, and you know I can argue all day that it should have happened a bit earlier, but in his defense he only had so many <laughs> bodies to use uh for a lot of that stretch uh i think you got to feel good about the way things go like you want to see gary trent sort of find a way to get himself uh 40 points and uh you know without Fat fred Van Vliet, without yeah. Uh, Kyle Lowry. Yes, to to to
1: have the most efficient 40-point night in Raptors history with only one point guard on the roster, yeah. Like, I
2: I think we've seen enough from him to say that he's going to be a high-variance player and he is capable of having a dud just as easily as he's capable of, you know, blowing up right now. But on the, you know, the ledger, like, I, I think it's been a lot more positive than negative. And that's a great sign. Malachi Flynn fitting in really well, figuring out what to do defensively, uh, I think beyond both of our expectations and getting, uh, I thought he had a, a really good second half against New York. He missed some big threes and those would have been nice, but they're shots. Like, you know, like there's a lot of a reason, a lot of reasons to trust this guy's track record in terms of making open shots. And he'll probably get there. Uh, and if he was a bit tired on the back end, in the fourth quarter of the back end of a back to back, and and that caused or, or led to him missing those shots, that's understandable. And maybe even ideal for some of you out there. Um, as I, th- I think it was two weeks ago, where I said, I think it's probably a bit better that the Raptors don't make the play-in play, play in tournament, I guess, and maximize those odds uh, just for their long-term future. And I still, like, feel that way for the most part. Um, but as I also wrote in that piece about how to watch this type of season, if you just obsess over the standings, uh, normal or reverse, it's really going to sap a lot of potential joy and not even joy, just, like, interfere with your ability to uh identify what's important about the future that's actually happening in front of you like yeah, you're, if you're, you're, if you're, you're gonna
1: just get th- mad at Go. a good malachi flynn game you're you're missing the plot
2: yeah like it's sort of a live in the moment type of thing and but the moment doesn't have to be about the win the moment can be about you know, how something might contribute to future wins, uh, but something that already exists, not a theoretical future something, uh, uh, if that makes sense.
1: It sure does. Uh, to update you on those standings, by the way, the Raptors are two games back of the Bulls for the final play-in spot. The Bulls have the tiebreaker there, and then it's a big jump to the next spot. The Raptors are five back of Indiana, uh, who had a strong week as the Raptors continued to struggle, so uh, that... I mean, you can make up five games in 18 games, but that might be down to just a chase of the Bulls there. Uh, Looking the other direction, the Raptors are in eighth last, uh, but they are only a game and a half from being fifth last. So, uh, again, those of you who are pro-losing or anti-winning for the the next little while, uh, you have some high leverage games coming up. You have uh, some big ones. I mean, they, they play Atlanta and San Antonio next uh, both of those teams hoping to make the playoffs or jockeying for playoff position, but then they play Orlando and Oklahoma City. Uh, Oklahoma City who's only half game away, and Orlando, who is, you know, maybe out of reach in the reverse standings, but still not a, uh, you know, not completely gone. And then, and then they have uh, they have games left against Cleveland, Washington, and Chicago and Indiana again. So. Um, and they've got that... Uh, and they've got a
2: bunch of impossible games. Too. Yes,
1: they, they do have a four-game West Coast trip where they play Denver, Utah, and the Lakers on a back-to-back, and the Clippers. So, uh, those of you who want some L's might get your wish Yeah, you soon. can
2: pencil in three and a half losses there, uh, yeah. I would say.
1: Um, but they, hey, they might win a couple on this five-game homestand that starts Tuesday uh, they continue this wild nine game and 14 day stretch with another back to back Tuesday, Wednesday, Atlanta and the Spurs. And then they play Orlando, OKC, Brooklyn.
2: Yeah, that one, the one rescheduled game really messed things up. Not only for both of us in terms of enjoying, well, I watched WrestleMania Night 1 in full, uh, but you didn't get to watch it in real time at all. So, no, I watched it the next day. Yeah, so we could have had that. And had it been a shared moment, and only made this podcast stronger. Yeah. But instead, hey, remember
1: a couple of weeks ago when we thought it might be possible to do like a backyard beer or something like that, and now uh, you're not supposed we're to leave your further, house. Further locked down than we've been at any point. Awesome. Yeah, it's cool, uh, cool, cool. It's
2: good. Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll do uh, uh, progressive, conservative. No, they're what is our, they're just called the Conservative Party of Canada. Reasonableists tomorrow yeah. uh it'll be, it be an unrecorded podcast
1: okay so um that's kind of the the snapshot of where the team is at and the direction fans might be getting pulled again as always you are obviously welcome to feel however you want to feel uh about those things but some but of you the, should
2: feel you should feel how we tell you to feel no, that you is should the just, correct way to feel you know it, it's
1: like the championship year you're never as high as the highs you're never as low as the lows you know you just, uh, you got to have an even keel about it as much as you can. And again, we talked about some positives to take from the week. Gary Trent Jr. Um, pushing his his numbers up. He, he's been, you know, you look at his 10 games with the Raptors now. He's been pretty efficient. And he's been pretty efficient on uh, the smallest diet of assisted baskets that he's had in his career. So he's shown a little bit more self-creation obviously still a lot of development to come with Gary Trent. You're seeing things within these games where it's like, wow, if he could, you know, change this or add this layer um, right now, he's a guy that, that doesn't put any pressure on the rim. Uh, great that he's been so efficient in the role he's playing, but you can see, and this isn't a bad thing. It's actually a positive. You can see areas for growth that for sure, you know, the Raptors will try to get him in the, in the player development pipeline and uh, get working on him. Uh, the other kind of, we, we've touched on him a couple times and I think he warrants a little bit more discussion because I thought Saturday was the best game he's played so far as a pro is Malachi Flynn. And he's over the last six games gotten to average 33 minutes. Uh, he's not shooting crazy efficiently inside the arc, but the three point shot is coming along. He's averaged uh, 13 points, five rebounds, six assists, two steals, and almost one block. Over that stretch of play, Uh, perhaps more notably, especially given some of the lineups, he's been tasked with uh, carrying or or anchoring and keep in mind that Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry each only played one game during this stretch. Malachi Flynn has the best net rating on the Raptors over the last six games. The Raptors have outscored opponents by 14.4 points per 100 possessions when Malachi Flynn is on the floor. Uh, That's better than OG Boucher or Pascal. So it's not strictly them. Uh, helping lift his, uh, now, of course, Stanley Johnson is the only player who's played big minutes who has a negative net rating over that stretch. Uh, The Golden State games and the Cleveland game both being in those last six games is obviously helping these numbers a little bit. Uh, But Sunday was the first time in six games that Malachi Flynn had a negative plus minus. Uh, So, you know, we don't live and die by plus minus or net rating, especially with convoluted lineups out there a lot. But his growth seems to at least be contributing to positive play for the team. And that's, you know, the Nick Nurse says this all the time. He's not going to evaluate Malachi Flynn by if he shot 8 of 14 or if he shot 2 of 9. It's is he helping the team uh, win. And, and for the most part, these last two weeks, I think he has been. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before?
0: you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
2: Uh, I know you're not talking about on-off numbers, uh, but somebody once said to me, like on-off numbers tell you a lot more about the person who's replacing them mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to what they actually do uh and when you're as a point guard being replaced by not a point guard um that's gonna potentially lead to some struggles so it sort of makes sense that just the level of organization that malachi flynn brings which is weird to say as a rookie but yeah and like we should take that as a positive he is he is having the effect that a professional point guard should have on a team is in that he's like making things make a lot more sense out there on the floor. Um, that's like a very elemental way of sort of looking at all of that, I think, but I think it's also correct in a, in a large way. So, um, he's looked pretty good. Like I, again, even though he shot, well, it was a two for nine last night. I thought he had a lot of really good moments and, um, I'd have to see the switch on the Barrett three again, but I'm tempted to say that was probably Pascal Siakam's fault. Uh, given that he made a few other defensive blunders last night.
1: It was, which... it was honestly, it was a little hard to tell because the Raptors will do that. Um, weak corner switch when, cause, cause that's a pretty common thing for like yeah. the, the shooter on the corner and the shooter on the wing to switch because what, what you're trying to do, if you're the Knicks, is you're trying to pull Pascal Siakam out of paint help territory and bring him up higher on the floor, so there's less rim yeah. protection. Um, so the Raptors will switch that a lot. They trust Pascal guarding a lot of guys. Um, it looked like either Siakam and Flynn weren't on the same page, or there was a miscommunication because Flynn had to do that kind of late scramble out to Randall, and then you know Randall made a good pass once the the paint help came. So I I don't know where the blame falls exactly. That seems to be as much miscommunication as anything, but it was a switch. It was a switch. Go ahead. Well, like, just like you said, Siakam had a couple defensive gaffes in that game and maybe doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt uh, on that play, given how else he played.
2: Yeah. Communication has to be better bottom line. And that it didn't seem like a play that warranted a switch. Like it, it wasn't that complicated of a set and it wasn't that dangerous of a situation. But easy for me to say, a lot harder to do in practice, and we're getting uh, a field from the initial point, which is that Malachi Flynn has played really nicely, and if it is such that he is your backup point guard heading into next year with maybe a little uh, competition coming from elsewhere, coming from a free agent, coming from a prospect... Uh, or if Kyle Lowry is back and and it's just a more regular three-point guard lineup uh, and that's just a, a thing they find uh, that becomes part of their normal rotation as part of a break glass in case of emergency type thing, I think you feel pretty good about that given what he's shown you lately. So um we can quibble and, and we did it last week. Like I think uh, I, I know... That Flynn working on his long two is important for his development. I just like to see his choosiness with when he takes those shots. Like if it, if there are six, there's six on the clock. Sure, cool. If it's your first action and it's semi-covered and there's sixteen on the clock, like maybe keep the ball moving or or keep moving yourself and and survey it. And I thought he showed a little little bit of. Of that on on Sunday, um, but these are minor things, and they're th- he will get better with it at, at, in time. And I thought Kyle Lowry talking about him after the game, just saying that the thing that Malachi he's been talking to Malachi Flynn about, and you saw him on the broadcast last night, like <laughs> he was in his, he was in his ear a lot. He um, was sprinting
1: all over the floor just trying to talk to him at breaks and play. Yeah, instead. it was hilarious.
2: He, he was sort of saying like. I've been telling them, like, the scoring will come, and that's not something you need to worry about. Uh, Just, you know, get everybody into the right place, orchestrate things in the right way, uh, and I think, you know, progression isn't a straight line, but it's trending in the right direction, and that's great.
1: Uh, One other positive from the last couple games, not to be too positive uh, in a one-and-two stretch, but uh, Yuta's back.
2: Oh, baby. Oh, baby
1: playing uh real um, yeah. rotation minutes these last six games uh and in particular the last four uh he's really started to score it a little bit he's um what is he at 20, 37 points over the last four games which is you know by far the most he, he's scored actually he had one other four game stretch with 37 points i was about to lie to you uh there was that stretch back in uh late january when he was in the rotation uh when he scored 37 over four games but Uh, Career high 14 points against the Cavs, 8-7-8 in the other games, Um, you know, contributing on the boards and with steals. He is back firmly in the rotation, I think. Uh, He looks a little more confident offensively. Nick Nurse thinks uh, that ankle injury that sidelined him uh, back in February lingered a little bit more than maybe we expected, uh, at least in terms of his comfort level and confidence. Uh, Utah is back on the radar as a guy and maybe a contract conversion candidate at the end of the year.
2: Uh, I have a theory about Utah Watanabe, Watanabe uh, and it's this. He is a solid back-end NBA rotation player. Full stop. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, uh, he uh, I, He's a really good 12th or 13th man, right? Is what you're uh, trying to say, kind of? Uh,
2: I might even say 10th or 11th, but like, you know, we're, we're, Uh, basically yes like if he is playing eight minutes a night ten minutes a night like uh, he brings such energy and and such soundness in terms of decision making on both ends that it's a he's a really easy player to fit in and he's a he can find a way to fit in in those minutes it's sort of you know, there there were questions about Chris Boucher saying he finds it easier to start and he's had more energy when he's starting. And we've heard this from other. I don't mean to pick on Chris Boucher. Like, uh, who knows how many other players have said this. Um, it, it's sort of, not that Yuto Watanabe's ever, like, in serious danger of being a starter unless things have gone horribly wrong with the roster. But you don't have to worry about that with him. He's going to, like crash the boards like a madman he's gonna for the most part take shots that are there and take no other shots (laughs) and uh defensively like nick nurse was as complimentary of his defense last night as he has been all season he's just he's pretty damn good like you can stick him in front of a whole bunch of players and he can stick with them Uh, i'd go so far as to say he's one of their best just on-ball defenders uh, in terms of just keeping man in front of you. Uh, the, that's all. And that's not to say that I, I'm not trying to pick apart as team defense, but I think what, you know, the Raptors have been, have gotten into trouble this year when they have been forced into rotations and they, you know, doesn't take a genius to see how they have not been as effective this year in, in forcing... The types of three-pointers that they would like to force, as, as they were last year when they were, you know, historically elite at at that, uh, even though they were letting up a ton of three-pointers, uh, uh, the opposition was not making them, and I, I think we can get into this at the end of the season, and I know you did a bit uh, when you were dissecting the defense, but it was, um, you know, maybe a bit of regression, natural regression has, has been involved too, but... As Jack Armstrong often says, like, before you start scrambling, just keep your man in front of you. That has to be a priority, and it's really hard to do in the NBA, and is somebody who can do that fairly reliably. So I just think he's a really solid player, and uh, I'd like to see him in the system for a few more years.
1: Me too. Um, All right. Uh, We're running a little long, so we got to do the negative side of this a little quicker. (laughs) Uh, These are... These are positives and negatives. Uh, Alizé Johnson has signed a multi-year deal with the Nets. Uh, Some success there. O'Shea Brissett got a second 10-day... I I blame
2: our G League coverage, uh, personally, for not pushing Alizé Johnson hard enough.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, Gary Payton Jr. signed with the Warriors, and O'Shea Brissett uh, signed a second 10-day with the Pacers, and Dante Hall signed with the Magic, so... Uh, The 905, graduating guys all over the place. Kind of hilarious that Freddie Gillespie is the guy on the Raptors right now. As the rest of the league poaches 905 guys, the Raptors go outside the org. I do like Freddie, though, and have a fun feature coming on him uh, later this week. Keep an eye out for that at theathletic.com slash we the six if you're not a subscriber yet. Eric, uh, the big negative from maybe not the whole week, but certainly uh, Sunday the up and down of pascal siakam um the downs have at times been overstated and, and like he's a he's become a kind of a weird case where some people get so negative about him that even like a moderate take on him seems overly positive to those people um he has not been you know he's still showing those playmaking improvements career high free throw rates, stuff like that uh however he is back to being fairly inconsistent defensively. Uh, I thought he just had a bad game overall on Sunday. and he Zero continue-
2: rebounds in 36 minutes, yeah. which is hard to do.
1: And he continues to struggle late in games uh, with the ball in his hands. Obviously, uh, a clutch double dribble in Sunday's game. He's missed a number of, of late-game looks. Um, you know, I don't know... Those are tiny snapshots, uh, but there are enough of them now that uh, maybe we worry just a little bit that he's kind of back in his own head in those situations. I thought the double dribble, like Kyle Lowry explained after the game, was like fairly understandable given what happened on the play. Uh, but it was part of a larger bad night, yeah. and it was part of a larger consistent struggle to uh, pull out these close games.
2: I got a mostly... Jokey during the 87.1st half on Saturday, uh, a uh, WhatsApp message from a friend saying Ewing Theory with Siakam and the offense. Uh, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Because he's been the guy holding the Raptors offense back. uh, Surely. um, Which, uh, I mean, I think my friend is legitimately frustrated with Siakam, as many fans are, but, you know, he didn't actually mean that um i think but uh yeah i mean look it's any cat at this point you can throw out so cat so many caveats that it, it becomes you start to wonder what's excuse making and what's not and that is not to make this some grand point about our time like the capital t times we live in but It's a complicated time to assess a basketball player uh, who has, you know, dealt with the pandemic in any number, in in basically all of the ways, or in many of the ways. Uh, But it's a big enough sample now where I think there's some legitimate worry about um, how his offensive game is developing in certain situations. Like, you love to see the playmaking. He made some great passes. Uh, He's made some great passes to Chris Boucher over the last few games that he's been out there, uh, again, against the Knicks. Um, But, like, his, you know, he, he just doesn't finish strongly enough right now at the rim. That's one thing. His defensive attentiveness really hurt him. It hurt the Raptors, I should say, against the Knicks. And and I think his, there was a stretch there where his defense was back at a level I don't think we'd seen since his most improved year. And that's certainly fallen off since he's returned from the lineup. And I, I think it's not easy to see, to, to guess why. Uh, like he played... 41 and then 36 minutes in a back to back after coming back from covid uh so that is another factor that makes it difficult to say but uh i think you know it's a huge summer for him he's his handle needs he is still something that he needs to work on and dribbling in traffic uh is is a big thing for him he's going to have to find a few more uh, counters and creative ways to finish at the rim and he just needs to get a full summer of conditioning work not I'm not saying he's poorly conditioned and if he is right now there are, again obvious reasons but to where he can carry a 25 to 27 percent usage and be a consistent dif- difference maker on his defense because As good as Fred Van Vliet is defensively, and he really is. Like, if this team is going to be elite once more on defense, it's OG Ananobi and it's Pascal Siakam. They are the keys to unlocking all of that. And it can't be just one of them. It has to be both of them. So we'll see how he comes back next year. There are some legitimate concerns about how he's finishing games offensively uh and i don't think you're wrong to feel any sort of way about it other than to recognize that he's gone through quite a bit and and there's still a lot we don't know about how human beings recover um from all of the effects of the pandemic
1: yeah i think you summed it up well eric um that's all there is to say i guess about it sorry No, no, that's great, uh, because we're (laughs) running long anyway. So uh, look ahead. We laid out the five-game homestand. Four of those games are in the coming week, Atlanta, San Antonio, Orlando, and OKC, before we talk to you next. uh, Eric. Fred Van Vliet is out, uh, Is he's at least two games away, he still has to serve his one-game suspension, and he can't do that until he's cleared, and to all the people wanting the Raptors to just lie about it, if they were to clear him, and then he serves his suspension, and then he's still not ready to come back, then he would probably have to sit another game, or, or the team could be punished, so... Um, I would assume whenever he is listed as suspension instead of hip, that means he's getting very close, uh, but as of right now... That's not the case. So he's at least... I'm just,
2: I, I too am interested in that. I know we're running long. But like... F- fundamentally, or th- theoretically I should say... What's to say... What's to stop them from saying... He's, he's okay to play... Serve the suspension and then say... Oh, he re something. Or he woke up a little sore. And, and we're just playing it safe with him now. Even if he was like never clear to... Uh, to actually play. I know the league could investigate, but what could they possibly find? I mean, inclusive? they could, I,
1: I don't know. They could require, like, they could be like, Hey, we want an independent doctor to sign off on
2: this. Yeah, no, that's what, that's exactly what I'm interested in. Like, is there an independent doctor that ha- that has to be used in these situations? I don't know. Anyway. Maybe,
1: maybe if they try to do it uh, against Atlanta, they will have Atlanta's team doctor check them out <laughs> and determine. <laughs> uh, what? Yeah, so will you
2: he, let Trey Young play? <laughs> uh,
1: so he's uh, at least two games away. Um, you know, the rotation at some point when the team is healthy, I think, like, the context clues suggest to me that maybe they'll go back to starting small and Boucher, Birch will be the bench bigs. Uh, just because, like, Boucher starting and Birch and Gillespie being your bench bigs is uh, going to introduce some offensive struggle. And... and gillespie only has a couple days left on his 10 day but uh so i guess uh, i guess just predict Eric. i'd say like we should talk about what the rotation is going to look like but nick nurse has not exactly made it a secret that in this 9 and 14 and 4 and 5 stretch more rest could be coming so with another back-to-back coming up you know who knows maybe someone else sits down uh, maybe Gary Trent gets a night off. Who knows? Uh, yeah. But Atlanta, San Antonio, Orlando, OKC, all of them at quote-unquote home in Tampa Bay. Eric, what do you got for us? I'm going to
2: go, I guess this is chalk. Loss-loss, win-win. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, they're obviously going to lose the back-to-back in, against San Antonio.
1: Yeah. And uh, they're but, definitely going to beat OKC just to make people really mad. Uh,
2: Incredible. Not, not producer Andrew. He will be yeah. thrilled.
1: And uh, Orlando is like unspeakably bad.
2: Exactly. Like I can't. I mean, they've already lost to Oklahoma City, so let's not without like all of their players. So let's not rule it out. But uh, I'm going loss, loss, win, win. I still believe I'm looking for my first perfect week. I, I did go three and one week, but that was the week where the game, the game against Chicago, was uh, postponed. So you did a, not
1: predict a postponement.
2: Yes, uh, so it was not purely perfect. Uh, so maybe by the end of the year I will run one off, but I wouldn't the, bet on it.
1: The Magic, by the way, have lost five in a row, and only one of those games has been decided by single digits. They are... Uh,
2: uh, they bad.
1: They are going through it. Uh, all right, so that's the week ahead. We got four games before we talk to you next. Uh, hopefully there will be... Once again, some some positives to take away from this week, uh, whatever direction that goes in. Uh, with Fred Van Bleet still out, at least for the Atlanta game, I would like to see Malachi Flynn get a shot at guarding Trey Young. That's probably the thing that I'm most looking forward to uh, in the week ahead, other than seeing DeMar obviously hit a game winner in the San Antonio <laughs> game. Uh, yep. That is happening.
2: He had uh, one last night, didn't he?
1: He sure did. He sure did. Uh, like, almost at the same time as Siakam uh, committing that turnover. So, uh, it'll be a fun week. It's always fun to see Damar and, and Jakob and uh, the Spurs. And, yeah. I mean, those... The Magic of Thunder game won't be sexy. Po- years, but won't they could be, be appointment
2: be, television. Yeah,
1: they could be fun ones, though. Uh, so, we will talk to you guys next week after those four... Probably sorting through some of the same stuff because the Raptors are in standings purgatory. Eric, thanks so much, man.
2: Thanks, Blake. See ya.